Hi, this is Dr. Mercola helping you take control of your health. And today we have a special treat as we are joined by Alex Guerrero. And you may not recognize him, but he is the personal trainer for Tom Brady, who uh, of course is well known uh, for many, by many, he's the, as being, as many believe to be the best quarterback in the history of the NFL. And he was named the NFL's MVP for 2017. And he's also only one of two players to win five Super Bowls. Uh, and so he's had enormous success. And, you know, part, it, it, it actually has been honored with the four Super Bowl MVP awards and five Super Bowl rings. So to achieve that level of success in a professional sport, especially a contact sport like football, you've got to be doing something right. And then that something has a lot to do with the conditioning. And that's why we have Alex on today, because he co-authored a book with Tom Brady called TB12, which really go, does a deep dive into his, uh, Tom's training methods that was really developed by Alex. So welcome and thank you for joining us, Alex. Thank you very much for having me. It's such an honor. Yeah, I'm so so delighted we got to catch you. We're as we're filming this, it's two days after the Super Bowl, and you know the world was shocked that uh, New, <laughs> New England <laughs> lost to Philadelphia. But you know that happens. It happens. Listen, that's why we love sports, right? You yeah, never yeah. Really know what the outcome's going to be? So let's get into your book. Uh, you know, one of the primary focuses of it is this pliability training, which seems to be, uh, you know, big big focus of the book and. Uh, you and Tom developed this training as a targeted deep force muscle work that lengthens and softens muscles at the same time. These muscles are rhythmically contracted and relaxed. I'm wondering if you can expand more on this and how you develop this concept because it doesn't seem to be intuitive or actually commonly practiced. Yeah, so, um, you know, I've been practicing this for a little over 20 years now. And, you know, when I first started, um, you know, was with the idea of just doing some, you know, some good deep tissue work um, and helping athletes, you know, recover from whatever their injuries were at the time. And I remember some of the clients that I was working on, I, I would, you know, work on them, they would, you know, feel better, and then they would go back out, and they would do their training, and then they would, you know, hurt themselves again, they'd come back in, and I'd work on them, and they would feel better, they'd go back out and do their training, and it, it became a pattern. And at some point, I thought, yeah, I really need to see you know, what this mechanism of injury really is and why are they, you know, feeling better but not getting better. And, um, and so as I started to work with clients and go watch them actually train, I realized that everything that they were doing, all their biomechanical movements and everything that they were doing through the course of their training um, was all real learned behavior, right? The brain was developing more neural pathways as it related to the way that they were wanting to move. And so I thought, well, our treatment principles should be based on the same thing. And if the, if the brain can create neural pathways based on functional movement, then I should be able to do some functional movement during my treatment so that the brain can create more neural pathways for, you know, getting better as opposed mm -hmm. to just feeling better. And so I started to work, um, you know, on these tissues through ranges of motion and through active ranges of motion. So I would have, you know, my clients actively be engaged in what the movement was while I was working on them. And as I started to do that, um, I started to notice that they actually were getting better and the things that they were, you know, the injuries that they were complaining about, they stopped having. Um, and, and pretty soon they never had hamstring pulls anymore. And they never had groin issues and they didn't have hip issues. 
Um, and so I just kind of translated that to other areas um, of the body. And that's when I began to kind of connect the fact that, you know, being pliable is certainly a lot different than just being flexible or, um, you know, pliability can correlate to, you know, how the brain connects to the body. And so that's when I really began to do a lot more treatment patterns based on them doing active movements through their treatment. So the pliability as opposed to flexibility involves more of a neurological component that you uh, sort of re-educate the muscle-brain connection during your treatment phase? Yes. And like flexibility for me has always really been more about ligament laxity. Right? Mm -hmm. Like you can stretch mm -hmm. and you can create ligament laxity to create more flexibility, but flexibility doesn't necessarily equate to pliability. Like I also would have a lot of clients that are extremely flexible, mm -hmm. um, but they would still come in with you know, soft tissue issues or, you know, muscle spasms or muscle pulls or tears. Um, and so that's when it, you know, I mean, the correlation that flexibility is certainly a lot different than having muscles that are pliable. Um, and so, you know, again, as, as, as I started to work with them and talk to them, you know, we started to go away from more flexibility routines and really start to incorporate more pliability routines. Now, are you doing this form of therapy with the entire team, the entire Patriots, or just, it, how does that work? Does, does each player have their own trainer, or are you like a trainer for well, the team? We, yeah, we actually, um, we see quite a few of the players. Like we have clients that come from all over the world to come see us, and so mm -hmm. we, you know, see athletes in a, a variety of sports. So we have, you know, pro tennis players, and golfers, and basketball players, and baseball players, soccer players, um, American football. We even have, you know, rugby players from Australia come. So it's... It, 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 it is something that has, is, is carried worldwide. Um, and, you know, as far as, you know, a lot of the, we see football players from multiple professional teams, not just the New England Patriots. Okay, I didn't know that. I was a little confused because it's not really clear in the book. Um, so what are some of your more dramatic success stories? Because I'm sure you've got many with this. <laughs> with people seeing you from all over the world, you don't, you don't get that type of behavior unless you're getting some success stories. Yeah, I mean, we have a lot of them. I, I would say the interesting thing for me in practicing, and, and, and I think that a lot of people want to talk about the success stories that professional athletes are having. Mm -hmm. I think what's neat as a, as a healthcare provider, someone are, are the success stories of people who aren't professional athletes. You know, your everyday weekend warrior types. Sure. Um, you know, the, the, you know, a gentleman who came in and, and wanted to run the Boston Marathon and came in and he weighed 400 pounds and, um, you know, working on a training program, you know, a, um, a kind of a, a lifestyle type of program for him to be able to get his weight down to a manageable weight where he could actually run the marathon. And I remember over the course of the time that he was training um, that we were able to help him go from 400 pounds to 240 pounds. And, um, and he was able to, to run and complete the marathon. You know, it wasn't like a record time, he, mm -hmm. but, um, but he did it. And I think, you know, that was a really great success story. Right, you know, success story of someone else who, you know, was told that they're, you know, bilateral hip replacement and told that they were never going to be able to to ski again um, or go run um, or do any physical activity, you know, with their kids, you know, getting them to be able to to go on a ski trip, to be able to snowboard and ski and and run and train with his his son again, who's a a, a great baseball player. Like those are those are meaningful success stories to me. You know, getting professional athletes to be able to compete and sustain their peak performance is exciting and it's, it's fun and, 
And it's, I know it's something that most people like to talk about, but I really love, you know, your, the everyday people who have defined what sustaining peak performance means to them and then helping them achieve that. Yeah, well, it's, it's hard to think of a more uh, accurate definition of sustainable peak performance than Tom Brady. His longevity in that sport is just dramatic. And as I said at the beginning, there's no way he could have achieved that unless they had some comprehensive program that was really addressing his, the, the normal propensity towards injury. And you, and you seem to have uh, guided him through that, those challenges because <laughs> it's a rough sport, football. Yeah, it really is. It's a it's a it's a tough sport. Contact sport. Um, he's extremely committed uh, to our program. He's extremely committed to working hard. He puts in the time, and um, I'm I'm very honored, um, you know, to be able to work with him and and again help him. You know, he defined what sustaining peak performance yeah. meant to him, and, and I'm just glad that you know I'm able to play a, a small part in helping him achieve that. Well, you know, he obviously co-wrote the book with him, and he was. Uh attributing much of his ability to do that to you so in your program so it's great to be humble but let's get back to this this um, pliability training because it seems like your belief is that you can actually substitute this for a warm-up and a cool down which is, seems to be counterintuitive so could you explain that yeah again you know prior to like you know in Tom's case for example we will do pliability treatments. So we'll do, you know, lower limbs, calves, hamstrings, quads, hips, hip flexors. Um, and then we'll do his, his right arm pre-practice. And we do that to kind of what we call stimulating the nervous system, right? We want to activate his nervous system and get it primed and ready to go out and perform its function of running and moving, you know, in, in, in quick ways, you know, to be able to go out and, you know, throw the football, you know, 200 times and not be sore in his elbow or shoulder. Um, and so we kind of get the nervous system warmed up that way rather than just going out and, and doing some long toss or throwing or lightly running. You know, my belief system is that if you can actively stimulate the nervous system to do the function that you're asking it to perform at the time you need it to perform it, it can do that, right? You're, you're neural primed and ready to, to go do those things. That's our warm up. And then you go and you practice or you do your exercise or whatever you want to do, whether it's an hour or two hours in his case. Uh, and then we come back in after that and, and we reset that paradigm. So we want the brain to understand like, okay, I can go out and do two hours of physical activity and not be sore, like not create a, you know, a lactic acid accumulation. We want to be able to get the lymphatic system to flush that out. Um, and so then we'll do our, you know, post-workout uh, treatment as well to kind of Get the brain to go, okay, I can go carry this load, do this work for this amount of time, and you still want me to stay you know, soft and relaxed so I can create 100% muscle pump function. Terrific, terrific. So um, in some ways, you know, someone watching this would, uh, I be believe, to be hard-pressed to differentiate this pliability treatment uh, from massage. And I'm wondering if you could differentiate and explain what the differences are, because typically it requires a therapist to do this, although there is a section of the book that discusses how you can do it yourself for some areas. Yeah, yeah, we call it you know, self-pliability in some of the areas. Um, you know, again, I, I would say that the difference is, is that you know, typically in a massage, you know, you're laying there and everything is very passive, right? You're laying there in a relaxed state and you're getting um, some tissue work, which is 
great and it's wonderful um, and it has a, a you know a lot of, of health benefits to it um, in staying active and really being able to create sustainable um, pliability um, I think unless you're doing it through active movement it's you, you just really can't create neuropathy right your brain really isn't learning um, any principles because it's in a very passive state like your muscles aren't contracting and relaxing. Your brain isn't actually doing anything other than learning that, you know, the force of massage can create some form of endorphin stimulation. Mm -hmm. It can certainly make you feel uh, great. There's certainly good lymph movement uh, through massage as well. But you then get off your off the table. You For the next couple of hours, you got great in, endorphin stimulation. You're feeling really good. Um, but then if you were to go work out again, and then you'd feel like you'd have to come back in and get another massage. So... Again, I, I'm always looking for things that are able to maintain sustainability over the course of mm -hmm. time. So with each treatment, you're actually getting better, so you need less of it. That's great. So uh, I'm still curious as to how you developed this, how you connected the dots, because it seems to be a real innovation. I mean, what was your training before? Did you have massage therapy training? So or, yeah, I actually got my master's in traditional Chinese medicine. Oh, that's interesting. That's a big jump. Bit, yeah, so you know, acupuncture was a big part of it. I certainly um, I learned in school about you know the connection between you know the physical body, the emotional body, the spiritual body, right? And that and, and that those three things are very interconnected, and, and you can't separate those when giving treatment. And while I was in school, I went and learned massage therapy, so I became certified in massage therapy, and it kind of helped me pay my way through school. Um, and so incorporating the, the two of those, you know, the, the, the Eastern medicine philosophies and I think the Western, you know, practice of massage therapy and kind of incorporating those two uh, belief systems and, um, and then understanding biomechanics and learning how people move and function and then, you know, creating that mind-body connection is kind of how I came up with it mm -hmm. uh, over the course of time. Now, typically, innovations... Uh, in general, are prompted by a problem that you're seeking to solve, a dilemma that doesn't seem to have a reasonable solution. And so you're, you're, you're motivated to find a, a solution for it. And was that the case here? I mean, did you have some particularly challenging uh, client that you just wasn't responding to the, the, the typical strategies that you would do? And then you, you tried something different and said, wow, this really works. And then you refine it from there? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I was fortunate enough when I first started, I certainly didn't have a lot of clients. Mm -hmm. um, and so I was fortunate to really be able, when I had a client, to be able to say, okay, how do I, again, how do I get them better as opposed to just feeling better? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I would try, um, you know, a technique on them and, and see how they felt. Go out and practice, come back, try it again and see how they felt. And I would say over the course of some time, you know, I just was able to refine it. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then, you know, in, in sports and athletics, you don't have a lot of time, especially in professional sports, particularly football, where everything is week to week, right? They play on Sunday, they, they you know, they'll do a light workout on Monday, rest Tuesday, and Wednesday's practice. So Wednesday, Thursday, Friday practice, rest Saturday, play Sunday. So you don't have a lot of time. So I had to try to figure out how I could get, you know, an athlete's body to change the way it thought about the, you know, the injury mechanism um, in a quick amount of time. And so, you know, I, I, through practice, I was able to change the way that the brain thought about how the injury, you know, occurred or even the, the muscle memory pattern. And I was able to change those over the course of a two or three day treatment cycle. So I could pretty much take any injury that an athlete had um, that was soft tissue related 
um, and get them better in two or three days. So do you still use acupuncture? Uh, so yeah, we still do here at our center. Yeah, we have an acupuncturist here, and um, we still apply a lot of the principles of Chinese medicine in our treatments here. Oh, excellent. So I, I'm wondering also, uh, just curious as to what uh, propels you into treating professional athletes. Uh, was it a referral by a client who you had some success and then you yeah. had success with I absolutely one. love sports. Okay, all right. So that there's a motivating factor. Yeah, and you know, I'm 5'8", and you know, I, I was never really big. I, I grew up playing tennis, so I loved tennis, um, but really loved all sports, and I, and I really loved football. And I had an older brother who played football and loved, loved that, and I just never gained size. I was the sure. runt of the litter in my family, and so... Um, and so I really love the game, and I and I love the people who play it. And I think the other reason why you know football really kind of took a hold is that one in professional football, you know, their contracts aren't guaranteed, and so you know if they don't play, they're not getting paid. It, it, they 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 need to perform and they need to stay on the field. So I think you know the athletes certainly had uh, a motivation to get healthy and get back on the field, as opposed to some other athletes who contracts are guaranteed and they can take a little bit more time. Uh, to get better. Football, particularly, they had to get better fast. So they were really, um, you know, they would really take to the treatment. They were really open-minded um, and they were really great contributors, you know, in their own health care because they wanted to get better. Perfect. So I'm wondering in your treatment strategies, if you've ever adopted photobiomodulation, which was traditionally done with lasers or now LEDs uh, that uh, typically are in the red, or the red and the near-infrared that that activate mitochondrial recovery mechanisms. Because a lot of professional teams and even the US Olympic track team uh, used it uh, successfully to, you know, to, for their athletes. And I'm wondering if you've played around with it at all. Yeah, we have actually. Um, and you know, we're certainly looking at doing some things with fabrics. We've done some things with um, you know, bioceramics that we've embedded in some fabrics. Certainly have done it in our sleepwear. Tom's been in it for a lot of years now. Um, you know, Under Armour currently manufactures that um, and sells that, and it works really well. It certainly uh, does a great job of, of creating you know far infrared, and we've been able to to embed that into the ceramics. So we're doing a lot of that now and getting um, you know LED actually in some fabrics that we're looking at doing as far as uh, like knee sleeves and ankle sleeves and elbow sleeves and and things more on that kind of supportive device. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, we really do believe in the technology. We've used it um, for a long time, and I think we're and we're continuing to try to see how we can advance it so it becomes more user friendly. Terrific. Yeah. So how the ceramics? Um, there's no electrical component to it. It's just a, a thin piece of ceramic that what is a quarter inch, eighth of an inch thick that's embedded into the fabric. That's right. Yeah. We actually take it and they they put it into a powder form. Oh, a powdered ceramic. Yeah, it's powder. So we're actually able okay. to take, you know, these bioceramics and put it into a powder form, and then, you know, through you know a technology that we that we use with it, um, we're able to really um, create more, you know, far infrared. So as it comes in contact with the heat of the body, right there is a, a, a far mm -hmm. infrared component. And um, so I, because I believed in it um, so much, I thought, God, you know, when you're using lasers or far infrared, and you're in a treatment, you're getting maybe 10, 15 minutes of stimulation or even 30 minutes of stimulation, I thought, guy, wouldn't it be great if, if we could, you know, get healing during the course of a six or eight hour sleep cycle? Like, 
So the body can actually be in, engulfed in this far infrared for multiple hours as opposed to 30 minutes. Um, and that's where I thought that real healing would happen. And that's what kind of came up with the idea of you know, some pajamas that we could embed the technology in. And it certainly has worked out really well. And we've done a lot of studies on them. And there are certainly a lot of data points on those. And so now we've gone from the pajamas to actual bed sheets that we um, have our, our, our athletes our clients um, sleep in, and it just works wonderful for them. So you've seen significant improvement with, with using it. Great improvement. Yeah. yeah, just like you would with anything else that's far infrared, right? It's the same principle. You're just creating more, you know, um, ATP production, um, getting, you know, greater blood oxygen levels. Yeah, usually it's the near infrared that does it as opposed to the far, but I'm sure there's some benefit from the far. But anyway, let's get back to pliability. Um, you state in the book that as you get to be 50 or 60, you use like 50, you, most people lose 50% of their pliability, which is extraordinary, but it's not surprising since you see the, uh, the, the disability and, and loss of motion capacity that most people have as they get older, which is tragic and doesn't have to be that way. So your pliability uh, treatments or programs can reverse some of that. And I'm wondering if you could address that and discuss how long it takes and what type of percentage of recovery people could expect when they engage in that program. Yeah, sure, that's a great question. I think that, you know, the reason why I think people lose it over the course of time is, again, everything's learned to behavior, right? So, you know, the older you get, you know, the, the less muscle pump you have right over the course of time like mm -hmm. you let's say you put an average of two million steps a year on your body and that load has to go somewhere and if you have you know a biomechanical asymmetry greater than five percent left to right the load's going somewhere right your soft tissue should take that load if it can't uh, take that load over the course of time your structure then takes that load right and that's why we're seeing knee replacements and a lot of hip replacements um, with people that age and you know, my feeling is that if you're able to maintain pliability, even if you get into that you know, 50, 60 year old range, like we've got our oldest client here is 87. And as you, as you increase their ability to have better muscle pump function through these pliability treatments, um, and as you again, neural prime and educate their body to support whatever their acts of daily living are, um, you know, they're able to function at a much more comfortable rate. Like now they can go out and they can, you know, stoop and they can bend and they can walk or they can run or they can ride a bicycle. Um, you know, like I said, we've got a couple of clients. Our oldest is 87. Our young, his best friend is 85. They come here. Um, you know, their goal was to go ride the Tour de France circuit on their bikes. And I thought that was a very crazy goal, mm -hmm. right, to do that. But they figured it would take them three months. And they wanted to go do that, and so we put together a you know a program um, for them to be able to accomplish that, and and they did it. You know, they came back five months later, um, and not only did they do that, but then they decided to go on a diving expedition. I think <laughs> you know, they wanted to go scuba diving with the whales, which was, you know, so you know as people define what it means to them as they age, I, I believe that aging becomes a number, and and your only ability to not. <clears throat> do something is based on the muscle's ability to support whatever your acts of daily living are. So, and, and you know, I feel that pliability is the key to being able to accomplish that. Excellent. So, I'm still confused as to what percentage that people can regain. I mean, it, it's, I'm sure you agree that people lose about 50% as they get into their 50s and 60s. 
And what percentage of that can you regain with the training? And then how long does it take? Yeah, I would say that you know you can start to 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 make physiologic change over the course of you know fourteen day cycles. Okay. So over two weeks, you can start to create new neural pathways um, for the way that you want to function and move. And I would say that you know it's 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 hard for me to really know exactly what percentage. Yeah. Oh, well, what's the range? I mean, I mean, in ideal circumstances, can you regain all of it? Or in your experience, the age-related changes simply provide a barrier that ever prevent them getting back to the full pliability they had when they were younger. Yeah, I would say that. Um, no, I would say that you can get, you know, your great ranges back. Again, it, it, it's based on, you know, what your daily acts of of living are. Do mm -hmm. you want to bend down and do gardening all day? Do you want to? Ride a bike. I, I I guess that you know the program becomes customizable to the point to where, you know, you can you know find what you want to find, um, and then create your pliability program so that you can achieve those things. I certainly think that you, know, you can accomplish, um, you know, whatever your heart sets out to to accomplish. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I think we developed our app, and the app that we have is is really, you know, people can get and download the app, and they can go on and they can you know, see what it is that they want to accomplish, click on that, that part of it, and then they can start their, you know, pliability program, their, you know, resistant band-based program, their, you know, um, eating program, and all those things to be able to help them then sustain their peak performance. Great. And this app is available on both platforms, iOS and Android? Just iOS at this time. Okay. And uh, so is that a, a, a fee-based program so that... How does that work, or is it just download pay for the app? Or, yeah, you can you can download the app. I think it's free for for like the first week, mm -hmm. and you can get in and you can try it out, and it's free for the first week, and then I think after that there's a, a fee. Okay, perfect. So that's one way, uh, and for some people that would work out well. But the other is to see you or someone who's trained with your techniques, and I guess you put together a, a coaching program, a TB12 coach. Uh, system and what, why don't you talk about yeah, that? Yeah, thank you for asking about that. We um, we've been getting a lot of requests um, for people that you know obviously can't come to the mm -hmm. center and facility to to get the treatment. We um, are working on starting a certification program where we're actually we'll have a body coach certification program that we're hoping to launch. You know, the second quarter of this year. Um, oh, so it's not it's not launched yet. Yeah, it's not launched. We're hoping. Oh, to okay. In April. Okay. Um, where, you know, we're going to be able to, you know, find, you know, physical therapists, acupuncturists, athletic trainers, chiropractors, all those people that um, are healthcare providers that have an interest um, in learning, you know, how to do our program and, and, and ways of, of being able to provide pliability uh, therapy and not just the pliability therapy, but certainly I think the whole, you know, mind-body connection between um, helping people, you know, understand what this type of lifestyle change can mean to them and what kind of impact it can have um, in their lives. And where would someone be able to find that once it's up in April? Under your website? So they could go to our website and okay. they could uh, apply um, through our website. Okay, great. And then at some point after you've trained a number of people, then individuals who want to receive treatment can go to your website too and you'll have a list of the clinicians who are doing this. Absolutely, yes. Okay, perfect, perfect. Okay, so let's get into some of the specifics of what the pliability training looks like because one of the astonishing facts of Tom Brady's fitness regimen 
is that essentially, if you read the book, he, he stopped using weights like seven or eight years ago. Yeah, we don't use a lot of weights. We, we do use some weights. Okay, so we're, not, right. we're not anti-weights. We just don't believe that you should do heavy lifting at the expense of pliability. So okay. um, again, because everything is learned behavior, mm -hmm. I just think that when you do a lot of heavy weights um, and you do them slow and controlled and then you go out on the field and you ask your body to, be, to move fast and furious, it's counterintuitive, right? The body just isn't neuroprimed that way. So, um, so we do do weights. We just don't do a lot of really heavy weights. Um, and we do, you know, a majority of our workouts are resistant band based and primarily because he is getting older in age. So like with our college athletes and our, you know, younger athletes that are in their twenties, we still do a lot of weight based programs with them. Um, but our aging athletes, uh, we do a lot of more band based programs because we mm -hmm. feel like we can, you know, both do accelerating and decelerating muscle groups at the exact same time, which you really can do with weights. Yeah, and with a lot less risk of injury, for, for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. You can do things, you know, greater ranges of motion. Yeah. And um, we get much more functional with resistant bands. And with resistant bands, you can also, you know, carry a lot of weight, right? Like, you can still get 500 pounds of, mm -hmm. of pressure in a resistant band. So, for example, like, Tom doesn't do bench press. Right. But you he can, but when he has to go test for bench press, he can still lift 225 pounds 18 times. So it, 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 we don't lose any power or strength mm -hmm. by doing that. We simply just, you know, we're looking to, to keep our, our muscles long and lean so that, you know, they can be functional for what you're asking them to do every day. Yeah, it's amazing. I, I'm a big fan of band training too. Uh, I'm, I'm currently using the, a closed loop band, a real thick one, a whole yep. variety of different sizes that... Uh, you essentially get you these isometrics because it seems like it's far more efficient, time efficient, and to get the results. I mean, you don't need that much. Yeah, absolutely. You're absolutely right. We, we, I mean, programs last for about, you know, 14 minutes. So you can yeah. do <laughs> weight training program. And a lot of the clients that come here, we have some athletes initially that will come and are so, you know, used to doing these weight-based training programs. And we put them through a band-based training program. I'm like, listen, if you can get through 10 minutes of this, then your session is free. Wow. Um, you know, and they can't, right? They tap out because they realize, oh my gosh, like they're just not neuroprime for that type of pace of movement. Mm -hmm. And they're resistant bands because, again, you're working accelerating and decelerating muscle groups at the exact same time. It is a real intense workout. And most yeah. people don't realize that until they get into it. Yeah, and you have a pretty good description of a lot of these workouts in the book. So you can experiment with them. Uh, yeah. Now, another thing you talk about in your book is these vibrating foam rollers and vibrating spheres, which I've never heard of. And really uh, am interested in what they are. Is that something you created or, because I've never yeah. seen them before. Again, it, again, it's based on nervous system stimulation. So it's basically like foam rolling, but foam rolling again, never made a lot of real sense to me because you couldn't make neurological change foam rolling. I would see athletes, you know, do a foam roller or they, you know, they do the tiger stick where they're rolling out, rolling out, but then they'd go out to practice. Then I'd see them come in and stretch some more. And then after practice, they'd go, man, Alice, I'm just I'm really stiff and tight. And I'm like, oh, God, I saw you rolling out like the whole practice. <clears throat> It, I, it just didn't make a lot of sense to me. I was really confused by that. And I understood that the reality of it is you're, there's no nervous system stimulation when you're just doing a foam, just a basic foam roller. The, the concept of the vibrating foam roller was to create nervous system stimulation. And through the, and through the vibration of the roller, you can get you know, greater circulation. Um, we've shown that you can actually um, you know, warm up and relax the muscle at a much quicker pace than you can just with regular foam rolling. Um, and so that's what the vibrating foam roller does. And the vibrating sphere is basically a ball that does the same thing. So rather than having to use a softball to get into some other harder reach areas that, you know, people use with, 
you know, softballs or, or heart lacrosse balls, lacrosse ball, yeah. um, you know, we wanted to use, you know, the, the sphere, which does the same thing. So it's, it's a vibrating sphere. Are these battery powered? These are, no, they actually are, um, they are battery powered, but you, you plug them in. So you charge them kind of like you would your iPhone or iPad or. Okay. But you don't, you're not, there's not plugged in while you're using them. No, they're not. All right. So good. That's a good thing. Up, you know, and I mean, then, we, we uh, don't want, we don't want electric fields. Hurting no, our no, athletes. They're, they're, yeah, they're, they're completely wireless. <laughs> All right, good. Well, non-wired, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so another component that you have, oh, oh, and how do you find these things? That was the other question. Um, so you could, you, we, we have them. You can certainly get them on our website. Okay, perfect. Yeah, because well, it seemed intriguing. Now, uh, I've recently become more enamored with hydration and, you know, Everyone's heard that you've got to drink enough water, and you know there's some, some debate as to about how much you should drink. But the key is, you, it, if you just drink water, it's not going to work. You actually will. You could drink a gallon, a gallon and a half, maybe even more, and you probably get hyponatremia, develop a cardiac arrhythmia, and die. So <laughs> you know, it's it's combining those electrolytes with the essential minerals and trace minerals, and you know the the macronutrient minerals. So why don't you elaborate on that because this is something Tom seems to be really a strong advocate of, and, and uh, I think your recommendation is a, a half an ounce of water, no, an ounce of water for every half a pound of, half yeah, ounce so of water for every pound of body weight. Half your body weight, yeah. yeah, half your body weight in ounces. Yeah. And I think, you know, we have it because most athletes and most people in general certainly don't hydrate well enough, and I think to make up for that, because they do a lot of things that are dehydrating, mm -hmm. um, and so we try to offset um, that especially if they're going to be active and you're absolutely correct is certainly hydration is important um, But I would say that what's more important than just drinking water alone is 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 to have you know these trace minerals you know these 72 trace minerals and and the electrolytes that we have we ionize these trace minerals so they're 72 ionic trace minerals and I think that that's important because that's what our bodies really are made up of and I think that aids in, in the regenerative process of what you're breaking down through the course of physical activity. So the electrolytes, are, I think, are valuable and important, but I think the real important part of understanding hydration are the trace minerals. Yeah, well, what about the, the other nutrients, uh, like the sodium, potassium, magnesium? It seems these may, I mean, the trace, you can't de debate that the trace minerals are important, but it would seem like the macronutrient minerals, the big ones, are really crucial to uh, obtaining optimal hydration. And if those aren't there, I mean, it, that's right. It's not going to yeah. work. And they this is this is this is not Gatorade. This is not That's Gatorade. Right. Okay. No, this is not Gatorade. This is, you know, we we certainly have all five electrolytes in there along with the 72 trace minerals. We um, they're flavorless. It's in a concentrate. We feel that you can turn any liquid into a sports drink, right? So, um, you know, there's zero sugar, um, zero calories in them. So it's great for for, you know, athletes of all ages and of all types of sports. Um, they can take these, they can mix it in yeah. water, they can mix it in, you know, whatever drink of their choice is, um, so they get those. Again, the important part for me in educating our client base wasn't just in providing them something to drink, but something that was easy and manageable uh, that they could take with them. Um, they could, you know, put a squirt in some water um, and drink that. So I always tell my clients, look, water is important before your activity, but you need electrolytes um, and trace minerals during activity. Sure. Right, for the, for the for the obvious reasons you stated earlier, and then you know you can hydrate with some water again after activity. But 
you know, during the course of your event or your exercise or whatever it is that you're doing to stay physically fit, you know, the electrolytes with the trace minerals, I think are critical. Yeah, and it's not just physical fitness, it's metabolic fitness. I mean, you really, it's difficult to be healthy unless you are properly hydrated and you can't, it's really even a, a, big, a bigger challenge to stay properly hydrated without these electrolytes. That's true, yeah, because there's so many things, right, the course of the day that cause dehydration. Yeah. Whether or not you're drinking something that's carbonated or alcohol in any form, um, any diuretic drink that you might be taking, like those are things that, right, create a lot of dehydration. I think over the course of time, you really can't make up for your dehydration factors, right? It's not like you can drink, you know, three bottles of pop or soda and think that you can then go drink one glass of water to make up for the dehydration factor of the three cans of soda. So, mm -hmm. you know, you need to be able to, to make up for those deficiencies. And I think the best way to do that is through, you know, again, electrolytes and trace minerals. Yeah. And these, uh, is this a liquid concentrate or is a powder concentrate? It's a liquid concentrate. Okay, good. So it, it's always a better strategy to, to ship concentrates because shipping water is not a really good uh, strategy for for success in business. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So that's a, that's a good, and you can get these on your site, right? Yes. Okay, good. Now, the title of the book that you wrote with Tom is TB12, and TB of course stands for Tom Brady, and 12 stands for the 12 principles, but it also is his football jersey number. Yes. Yeah. So it's a, a kind of interesting coincidence there, and I, I suspect you kind of adopted the 12 principles. So why don't you expand on those 12 principles now so we can get a, sort of a, a, a bird's eye view of what the book discusses? Um, yeah, again, the, you know, the book discusses, I think, the importance of, of trying to find that balance between being physically fit, emotionally stable, and spiritually sound. And I think we do that through the type of workouts we do through pliability um, treatments, through cognitive exercises, uh, through uh, proper diet, nutrition, hydration, um, rest and recovery. You know, those are those are all things that we feel are very important to be able to tie in. You know, those those three areas um, of our physical bodies that are, are so important for to maintain, you know, balance um, and homeostasis. Oh, great. So I want you to stand up a little bit because people are, why is he wearing a t-shirt and they can only see a part of it. But why don't you stand up and show us that entire logo because I, I think it's really cool. That is TB12 and, and if you look hard you'll see the, you know, it, the, the, tw the two is part of the B, the lower part of the B. So it's a really great logo. I, I was just commenting on how much I liked it before the interview. So Thank you. Yeah, so it's a pretty cool. So. Uh, are there any other items you'd like to expand on or uh, elaborate? No, other than I, I mean, I, I really appreciate, um, you know, you having me on. I mean, I've really admired, um, you know, you and, and what you've accomplished. I certainly love uh, your site. I'm on it all the time. Oh, great. I, I, I think that, you know, what you have been able to do for people that um, are involved in, in natural and holistic therapies is is a godsend i really do you know applaud you and your staff for for all the things that you do to make people more aware of of things that they can do that are just different you know i think a lot of people look at us that way as well as being um different and um 
and, and, and maybe even some people think it's controversial. Um, <laughs> we certainly don't see it that way. You know, we really feel like, um, like this is something that certainly could be mainstream. And I think, you know, over the course of the years that we've been doing this, we're certainly seeing a lot more people um, take a hold of it and understand it and apply it and really feel the benefits of it. And I would say that, you know, for those, uh, you know, people that really want to, to again, sustain their peak performance, I, I, I would first say that they should define what that means to them. Um, and then once they define what sustaining peak performance means to them, they need to then, you know, tailor their program so that it is specific to them and their needs. Because all of us are different. We're different shapes. We're different sizes. Mm-hmm. We're different heights, different weights. We move differently. We, we behave differently. We, we do things in, in a different way. So, you know, uh, you know, a one, you know, box fits all type of thing never really made a lot of sense to me. So um, I really would love to express that being outside the box is important and for people to, to be able to think about what is valuable to them um, in their lives. And, and once they are able to define what sustaining peak performance is, I believe that, you know, age is just a number. And um, again, you know, our oldest client's 87 and they're out riding bikes and diving with whales and, and, and enjoying the success, you know, of, of what they've accomplished through their life. And that's what I think that everybody can have. Well, I think that's a noble ambition. And, you know, as most of us, if we're not there already, we certainly have pa- friends or parents who are there and have a, had a firsthand opportunity to observe the frailty that occurs as one ages. And this is, a, should be lo- viewed as a very powerful motivation to avoid because you do not want to wind up in an a assisted care living facility in a wheelchair. And you don't have to be that way. You could live, I am confident, you know, f- full functionality well into your hundreds and, and not be restrained. Now, you may not, you're not going to be able to do the things. You're not going to be able to run a 10-second, 100-meter dash. But, you know, you'll at least be able to do your normal ranges of uh, activity. And, and I really exactly. I really applaud your work, you know, thinking out of the box and putting together this resistance band because I think it's really a great tool that can help so many achieve those functional years as they, as they uh, go into that uh, age category. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And, um, and I think there's, you know, more of that needs to get out. Like we have a client, she's in her 70s, she runs four marathons a year. Wow. And that's and that's how she defines her peak performance. Now, does she run the same times that she ran years ago? No, but she's not off by far, and she loves doing them. And, yeah. and she's still able in her seventies to run four a year. So to run four marathons a year at your seventies, like that's saying something. And I think that you know people work really hard all their lives, and they um, and they and they make a lot of money, and they 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 plan and prepare for their future. And then that time comes, and then they you know they're sore. They they're stricken with arthritis or. Yeah some sort of injury that plagues them and they can't get down and play with their grandkids or they can't do all the things. So now they've got this money and they've got these plans for a life that they thought they would have. And now because of pain, they can't do it. And that's a very tragic and sad story for me. Yeah. And I, I don't believe it needs to be that way. And, and I believe that our method is there um, so that we can help people redefine that part of their lives so that they can go out and do the things that they really enjoy doing and can spend the money they worked hard achieving. Yeah. I'm not a huge fan of having elderly people run marathons, though. Having run, I've been a distance runner for over four decades, 
and yeah. had been there and seen that and know a lot of really elite athletes who are distance runners and suffered consequences as a result of that. There's so many other things. I mean, it takes so much time. You can put the time in your pliability training and functionality and movement or, or Qigong or Tai Chi. You know, it's, it's far more benefit and far more effective. If you want to run mar one marathon, fine, but don't do four in a year. There's, <laughs> that's just, that's just a, a waste of resources, on my view, and, and, it, and not really getting, allow you to achieve optimal health that you were designed to. Yeah, other than the fact that maybe you just love doing it. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm, but you know, re-educate your brain. That's yeah. not my thing. Yeah, um, I agree. You're, but, you're smarter than you're smarter that. than that. Yeah, no, it's, yeah, it's not it's not my thing, but yeah. I certainly want to be there to to support anybody who's has a dream of doing something. Um, sure. You know, that you find you know passion in. Okay. Well, thank you for all you've done, and uh, the book is TB12. It's on uh, any books in any bookstore or on Amazon, of course. Yeah, and also, really, I would encourage people that really can't to really go look at the app. It's really what's the name of the app? iOS uh, only. It's called the TB12 method. TB12 method. So there you go. And at some point, maybe they'll if it's so successful, they'll they'll port it over to Android. Yeah, I think they're working <laughs> on that now. Uh, great. All right. Well, thanks for everything, and uh, Dr. Michael, I appreciate you having me on. All right.